friends, Pastor Joshua Kapczynski. This is the Art of Faith podcast. And this is a production of Granite Creek Studios in conjunction with Granite Creek Community Church. And this podcast is brought to you exclusively by 21 Choices. So 21 Choices is has been a partner with us for like I don't know how long, for many years. And they give us these these little gift certificates for frozen yogurt and we put them in our first time visitor letters and we give them away to people that we want to encourage. And 21 Choices has been a great local business that we support. My wife and my daughter and myself, we go to 21 Choices probably way too much. They have a great staff. They have a great product. It is super tasty. It is frozen yogurt. And they they want to support a community organization like Granite Creek Community Church. And so uh, this podcast is brought to you by them and specifically the owner, Tony. So, Tony, thank you again uh, for giving us these gift certificates for free yogurt that we that we send out to all of our first time guests and that, that we use to bless other people. Twenty One Choices has uh, two locations in Claremont. One in the village and that all of the tourists go to. They also have another location uh, on baseline off of town that all of the locals go to that don't want to wait in the lines. That's where we go. Uh, but they also have another location in Old Town, Pasadena, which is close to my heart because that's where my antique store was in Old Town, Pasadena on Colorado Boulevard. So three great locations for 21 Choices. So I just want to encourage you to go and visit them. Like their yogurt is absolutely amazing. And they've got the Cold Stone stuff and they mix it right there. Uh, they have Nutella, which is basically crack with yogurt. And so highly recommend 21 Choices. Thank you, Tony, so much for providing us with these gift cards that we use to bless our community, and our first-time guests. So great local um, uh, community organization, 21 Choices. All right. Now, uh, the Art of Faith podcast is also brought to you by our, our latest venture, which is called Granite Creek Gardens. We just opened up a brand-new wedding venue uh, the venue could be used for anything. So it could be used for celebration of life, memorial services. Like we're using it for bridal showers and bridal parties. We can use it for a number of different things, but primarily it is a wedding venue. We just did our first wedding venue or wedding ceremony on Saturday. It was a huge success, even though that it was, a, that it was 102 at four o'clock. It was a warm one. Um, but we're we're we got one in the books. And so if you're looking for a venue for a wedding, a reception, um a celebration of life ceremony that, that you want to do outdoors, it's not typical inside of a church, or just like a party of some sort, uh consider Granite Creek Gardens. We're up and running. It's official. Like it's done. It's beautiful. And so 
we would we would love for you to come out and just check out the venue to see if it would if it would be a beautiful spot for whatever party that you have coming up. So those are the two things. Twenty one choices in Granite Creek Gardens, among our other uh patrons. You can support this podcast directly by going to granitecreek.org and donate. Uh, we also have a Patreon page. And look, I'm just going to be frank and honest. We are a ministry and we need your support. We need your financial support to continue going. So whatever you can give, if it's $5, if it's $1, uh, if, it's a, if it's a monthly subscription for $5, that would be amazing. And also, we are, we are growing. Our YouTube ch- page is growing. So if you could like and subscribe to our YouTube channel in addition to Facebook and all that other stuff, but specifically our YouTube, that would help us to continue to grow and to reach others and to support our staff. So thank you so much for your support and for your listening. And I hope that not only that this podcast, but the sermons that we uh, produce on this channel are also encouraging to you and help you in your spiritual growth and your spiritual maturity. Today's topic is a, uh, it is a relevant and in the news type of topic. Today we are talking about the art of the art of destruction. So the art of destruction, like what, what in the world does that mean? Like there is something that takes place when something beautiful is destroyed. And for me personally, it is a heartbreaking thing when an object of creativity, an object of beauty is destroyed, specifically when it is one of a kind, when there is nothing else like it, when it is a unique expression of the, of the human creative spirit, and then it is taken from us from existence. Uh, a few, few years ago, I did a podcast on this concept of, of preserving art and historical pieces. And uh, it, was, it was specifically done for, I did the podcast talking about the protection of art and why we need to protect it and uh, the philosophy of conservation and how conservation doesn't necessarily fit our uh, woke political ideologies in that um, beauty is in the, in the eye of the beholder. And so sometimes the best person or the, the best organization, the best uh, political entity um, that is willing to invest and protect works of art are the ones that should do it. For example, back in the day, uh, during the Iraq War, um, okay, Saddam Hussein was a bad dude, right? We all know that. We all we all agree with that. He he needed to be removed. He needed to be taken out, like just for the very reasons that he gassed his own people. Like it was bad, but he also had, um, he had a. He, he was a propagandist at the same time, so he understood the leverage that propaganda and um, symbolism and iconography could give him. So 
he identified himself as an emperor of sorts. In order for him to identify as an emperor of sorts, he connected himself and his regime to the ancient past, to ancient Babylonia. And so, whether you like it or not, Saddam Hussein began to reconstruct or remodel the ancient Sumerian Babylonian ziggurats, the old temples. So he made models of them, and in some cases he restored them. Uh, He also made room and space and money for museum exhibits of absolutely priceless works of art and historical objects, statues of of Sumerian and Babylonian leaders that date back to 2000, 3000 um, BC. Um, thing, uh, statues that that we would expect to see at the Louvre, that we would expect to see at the British Museum, that we would expect to see at the Met or at the Smithsonian. And uh, so they have them in the museums in Iraq. And so during that, during that great war where, we, where America disposed, de- deposed um, that evil regime, I will say that it was an evil regime, they just they just preserved their history and their culture again for propaganda reasons. So when there was a vacuum of power uh, where we came in and we deposed the evil leader, uh, we didn't really care what was taking place behind the scenes. And uh, and so basically, kind of when we backed out, ISIS, which was a militant Islamic religious expression. Uh, well, they just filled the gap. They just filled the power void. And um, ISIS being a strict Islamic interpretation of Scripture, specifically the Quran, they believe strictly that there should be no idolatry, no idol worship. And so for them, that means that any representation of any leader or any uh, spiritual iconography, it, it should be destroyed. And so ISIS came in with sledgehammers. They, they brought sledgehammers into the museums. And I did this talk with Pastor Joel back in the day when we first started this podcast. ISIS came in with sledgehammers, and they, 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 they destroyed works of art. ISIS also rolled into parts of Pakistan, and they literally blew up 20-foot Buddhas, like World Heritage Sites, uh, like Buddhas like. Like I'm not, a, I'm a Christian. I'm not a Buddhist. Like I'm not going to promote Buddhist philosophy. I'm not going to uh, promote Hindu religion or or that's like I mean because I'm a Christian. I believe that that Jesus is the only way, and um, he is he reconciles us to God the Father. So like 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 I'm there. But, but regardless, we we shouldn't be blowing up World Heritage sites. Like, if the World Heritage Site is a big, giant 20-foot Buddha, which is cool in and of itself, we shouldn't blow it up. And we shouldn't be taking sledgehammers to Babylonian statues. Uh, It it would be on par uh, with us taking sledgehammers into the Louvre Museum and smashing the the Venus de Milo or or smashing Greek classical uh, uh, statues of Zeus and such. We shouldn't be doing that. And so, like, this 
like when that took place, it like really, it really grieved me. Like it's so hard to see the destruction of artwork and we can't replace them. Uh, you know, these big giant Buddhas that ISIS blew up with dynamite, we can't replace those. They're gone forever. Like they're gone from the story of humanity. The, the statues that were sledgehammered, we can't, I mean, we can try and glue them back together and I know that they've tried, but they're never going to be the same. They're, 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 they're broken. And like that grieves me. And like being a pastor, I believe that that probably grieves the spirit as well. That, that, that grieves God because God is a creator. He doesn't want to see creation destroyed, even though the creation maybe not, maybe not have been quite right. So behind me, right, right over here, uh, we'll show it in post-production. We'll show a picture of it. But one of my favorite paintings that I have purchased over the years is this painting right behind me. And it is a court scene of the Empress Maria Theresa. So this is actually a period piece. So we're looking at a piece in the early 1800s of Maria Theresa, the emperor of the Austro-Hungarian Holy Roman Empire a very significant point in, in in world history and it's it's a great story because this is the story of a woman that has been placed in the seat of power uh whether against her will or not regardless she rose to the occasion and she was able to do things that most men can't do in the area of governance and so um i i came upon this painting and it is again it's a period piece like this is a real piece and most likely uh so it was painted during the lifetime of Maria Theresa so the holy roman empress like she, like this was like like she modeled for this and so the the painter painted this and he was most likely there that's what this painting is and so i'm really excited to have it i own it i don't even know how much it's worth it's probably not worth mu worth much but I I have an original, and it's right here in our studio. And so uh, the painting in and of itself, it, the composition of it is perfect. Like, it's classic. It it, it feels as if you're there. It feels like you're, you're witnessing uh, the actual confrontation between Maria and her, her detractors. It feels like a court scene. Like, it's awesome. And it's definitely aged. <laughs> you can tell that this is an old painting. And I love it. Um, I'll tell you the story of how I, how I got it. So back in the day before I went into full-time ministry, before I was a pastor, before I, you know, uh, before I was supported by the church, supported by you, our listeners, wink, wink, um, I was an antique dealer. And so a lot of the things that are in the set uh, are things that I've bought in the past. And I had an antique shop uh, in Old Town, Pasadena, as I mentioned earlier in the preview. I had an antique shop, and then I would travel uh, into Europe, buy things, collect them, pack them up in a shipping container in Belgium, and ship them back. 
And so this painting in the back was one of the what's one of the last things that I have left from my antique dealer days. And again, it's precious to me. And so here's the story. Um, I ventured out into areas that I no, don't normally go to. I wanted to find some honey holes of antiques, and uh, I didn't necessarily find them. But I went into the Czech Republic. So I took my van into the Czech Republic. I rented a, a cargo van, drove into the Czech Republic, and started looking into these old towns. With what broken German I did have, I was trying to find some antique stores. And I found a few, nothing amazing. And then finally, I, I was in this uh, part of the Czech Republic that was on the border of East Germany. And I actually traveled into East Germany, into a little town called Dechen. And it's spelled D-E-C-H-E-N, Dechen. I'm not pronouncing it right, Dechen, whatever. Um, and in this little tiny, uh, it kind of wanted to be a resort town, kind of wanted to be a tourist town, kind of like how Claremont wants to be a, a, a tourist town. So it was kind of like that vibe. So it had some culture, had some history. It, you know, it did, it, it wasn't just blah, but it had some, so I could tell like there was some culture in this town. And I finally found a cool little antique store out in the middle of nowhere. And I, I don't speak Czech. Again, I had some uh, German that I, so I knew a little bit of German. Uh, like, don't think highly of me because I got a D minus in college German. But I, I, at least I knew enough German to conduct some business. And so I found an antique store and I introduced myself to the antique dealer with my bro broken German. And so he begins to, to show me around his shop. And it just, it just wasn't interesting. It wasn't anything that I wanted to buy. It's nothing that the American market would want to purchase. It was just kind of like boring boring stuff. Uh, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have sold well. And so he could clearly see that I was disappointed in his shop. And so as I'm on the way out of the door, um, he grabs me by the arm and says, let me show you this. And so I, again, I don't understand like what he was saying in German, but I could understand the gestures like, come, 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 let me, let me show you, let me show you. So he leads me down some stairs and then there was this door that had all of these dead bolts and locks on it. And so he begins to unlock the dead bolts and he begins to unlock some locks. And then he opens up this heavy door and then leads me into the darkness. And it's a little creepy because, again, it's, it's, it's Eastern Europe. And, like, I'm out in the middle of nowhere. Um, no one knows where I am at. And it's just... Anyway, so I go into this dark room. He flips on these big lights, and then they all come on, and then I'm basically in this antique shop in a basement filled with Nazi memorabilia. So there were busts of Hitler. There were machine guns. There were Nazi flags. There was all kinds of really creepy Nazi stuff, and 
like I was legitimately scared. And so like if you're watching this podcast, you know what my last name is. My last name is Kapczynski, which is Polish. And if you want to push it a little bit further, it's a Polish Jewish last name. And so um, like I don't even know if I told this guy what my last name was, but I know that my last name has a Jewish connotation. And so I'm starting to freak out because now I'm in like Hitler's Nazi lair and I'm like, I don't know, like, like there's uniforms, machine guns, bus flags, like it's just dang creepy. And so I'm kind of playing along and he begins to, and again, my, my, my German is very broken. I don't really understand completely what he's saying, but he's showing me some of his prize pieces. He's showing me this, he's showing me that he opens up a drawer and a very fancy desk and he pulls out this pistol and he says, I, I don't remember, but he says the pistol, like, super. So he points out, he pulls out this German Luger and like, like this is like the prize of his collection is this German pistol. I don't know that. I just see this really weird eccentric German guy pulling out a pistol out of a drawer and he's saying, ex super, and I think he's going to shoot me with it. But basically what he's saying is, this is my, my, my excellent super piece. This is, this is the prize of all my collection, was this, was this, German, hand, this German pistol, this Luger. And so, of course, I didn't, I didn't realize that. Um, so I'm freaking out on the inside, not trying, to, not trying to blow it. And then I see this painting behind him. And it's like, I don't want this gun. I want that painting. Get me out of here as soon as you possibly can. And so I bought this painting behind me for, I think I paid $500 for it. And um, so that got me out of the, the Hitler dungeon hole. And then he begins to tell me, and again, in broken German, like this is the story. This is a court painting of Maria Theresa, the Holy Roman Emperor. And so that's it. So that's the story of the painting. I love it. I don't think I'm ever going to sell it, even though I paid $500 for it. I probably should sell it. Regardless, uh, I had it up in my office, in my antique shop, after I survived, you know, being in on the border of the Czech Republic and Germany, and I got out of there, and it, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. I, you know, I got my shipment home. Uh, this painting came in ocean freight, you know, it took about a month and a half to get to, to get to me. So I finally get the load that I bought, and I got this painting that I bought, and um, it was like my prized little piece, right? Because I know that it's a period painting, and I know that it, it, that it's historical. I know that it's worth more than five hundred dollars, and so I hung it up in my office, and and so there it is. It's hung and it's perfect. And uh, some of my antique dealer friends uh, that would come in, they would buy stuff from me. You know, they would buy wholesale from me. Uh, they, you know, they would they would peer into my office. They would see that painting and they'd begin to ask questions. They want to know if it was for sale, and I'd say it's not for sale. Um, obviously, it's not for sale because it's got a great story, right? So I'm not going to sell it. Um, so I say it's not for sale, and. And so there it stood in my antique shop for years. And then, let's see. Okay. Um, 
this piece right here. Luke, is this in the shop by chance? Okay, so this piece right here, I bought on another trip, and then I'm cleaning it up. I'm kind of getting it ready. This is a French candelabra. It's probably 19th century, like early 19th century, 18th century, late 18th century. It's got machined parts to it, so we know that it's not super freaking old, but it's still kind of cool. And it belonged in a church for some reason, and you stick these big giant candles on top of it, and, you know, it's kind of cool. It's awesome. So I, I stuck this in the office next to it, and um, I had to, like, fix it. I still haven't fixed it. It's been 20 years, and I still haven't fixed it. Because, like, there's these cheap candle things that don't belong on it, and they need to come off, and I've never taken it off. So I was supposed to make it. I wanted to restore it. I've never restored it. I haven't done a thing to it. Because when I had it in my office, I had it right underneath that painting right there. And then I bumped the wall, and my period painting from the early 1800s fell off the wall and landed directly on this, these spikes of death. And there is a big giant tear in this painting. And after that happened, like that painting fell on these spikes and I'm like, oh, and I literally, I had to leave my office. I didn't even take the painting off. I had to leave my office. I went out in the in the in the back in the back alley and then I started throwing up because I knew that um my dumb idiotic uh unorganized tendencies destroyed most likely extremely valuable piece of art and I was just nauseous about that and so this is this is the topic of today. I know there's a long story for a very short illustration. It's like, what do we do when something beautiful in our lives is destroyed? Like, like when something, when art is destroyed, like how are we to respond? <laughs> Obviously, you need to go in the alley and you need to start throwing up for a little bit because it's just like the worst possible thing. Like, like it's, it's not even the monetary loss. It's just the loss of beauty that that gets to us. So this podcast is actually extremely time timely because um what's the date today? It's August it's August the 10th. And August on August 8th there was a huge fire that took place on the island of Maui. And this is kind of personally connected to me. Uh, last year, my, my family and I, we went on vacation in Maui. My parents, um, their, their side hustle is that they have some Airbnbs. They have two Airbnbs that, that are their retirement income. <laughs> so for lack of a better word. So you could, uh, you could easily say that this podcast is also brought to you by Little, Little Bear Properties. So if you're looking for a vacation spot in Lake Arrowhead or on the island of Maui, uh, hit me up. I can hook you up with my parents because they've got some of the best Airbnbs in the area and specifically in those two spots. And so my dad happened to be on the island of Maui 
uh, fixing up and adding air conditioning to his condo on Maui that they rent as a source of income for themselves. So that's their side hustle. And so, and it's a beautiful spot. It's, it's on, it's in the North side. Um, it, it is on a, 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 it's on a beautiful stretch of sand. You can, you have a view of the ocean. Uh, you can literally go downstairs and then jump in the ocean and swim with turtles. And that's my parents' condo in Maui. So, if, you, if you're looking for a vacation spot, hit me up. I can get you a deal. Um, now, near their condo, about, you know, about, I don't know, maybe 10, 15-minute drive, there is this historic town called Lahaina. Lahaina has been there for hundreds of years. Lahaina was an early um, whaler's port, and so when whaling was an industry, that was the main port on the islands that you'd drag your dead whales into, and they would make lots of money on that. So Lahaina became uh, a very popular commercial industry. It was also one of the earliest sites for Christian missionaries to come into. And so there was a missionary house that was built in the, in the town of Lahaina. And so for those of you that are listening to this podcast that live in or in the community of Claremont, Claremont, Alta Loma, Rancho Cucamonga, Upland, Fontana, Ontario, San Dimas, Laverne, everybody is well familiar with the coolness and the, the historical importance of the Claremont Village. Claremont Village is the most unique place in the Inland Empire because it is the hub of, of, of culture in this area. If you want to think that the Inland Empire has a, a sense of culture, it, it takes place in, in the Claremont Village. Like it, it's the hub. The Claremont Colleges and the Claremont Village is the hub of, of cultural expression. It's a cool little town. We have art galleries. Uh, we have, uh, on Friday nights, we have music in the village. It's just a cool little place. Everybody loves, everybody's got cool shops. It's got the Claremont Folk Music Center, which is owned by, help me out here. Who's it owned by? Uh, ben Harper. You guys know who Ben Harper is, right? So Ben Harper, the great folk musician, owns the Claremont Folk Music Center. It's a, it, you, there's some houses in Claremont that are considered uh, heritage sites. It's a cool town. Um, could you imagine if the fires came in that came in a couple of years ago and it just burned the Claremont Village to the ground? All of the really nice high-end Los Angeles uh, restaurants, the galleries, the museums, the library, um, the the folk music center, the cute little shops, the boutique things, the flower shops, the the wine vendors, the you know the the beer stuff. Could you imagine if that whole thing was burned down? Could you imagine if Claremont was burned, like downtown Claremont was burned completely to the ground? So this is kind of a timely podcast because that's what happened in Maui. Lahaina, the cultural center, arguably, of the whole entire Hawaiian Islands, was literally burned down to the ground. And my dad happened to be there when it was taking place. And uh, he couldn't get out. 
Uh, his housekeeper lost her house, and it was completely burned to the ground. She lost everything. Um, he was directed to uh, travel all the way around the island just to get to the airport. He has spent two days trying to sleep in the airport. He, did, he wasn't able to get any food. Um, so, you know, a minister and a social activist agent that owns a food bank actually had to go to a food bank to get a meal. And so he was humbled by that. He, he sent me a text like, it's kind of humbling to be on the other side of the line when you have to beg for food from, from an aid organization. So if you don't know, my, my dad runs Kid Care International. Uh, we host the largest food bank in the Inland Empire. And so it was just a surreal experience to watch a, a downtown cute little historic town literally burned to the ground. When I was there uh, last year, I visited uh, the Lahaina print shop. I believe that's the name of the, of the, of the business, the Lahaina print shop. And so basically in Lahaina, it's kind of like Claremont, uh, but more so they have more galleries. So they have more art galleries most some of the art galleries are really terrible, so they're like like really bad beach art type of art galleries. But Lahaina is a little high class, so they got the bad beach art stuff for rich people that don't have any taste, that don't know what to buy. Uh, incidentally, if you're a rich person and you don't know what kind of art or collections to buy, you just need to be you need to let me be your curator because you don't have any taste, but. You need to hire somebody that does have taste. Don't buy any of that 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 tacky stuff that you find in beach galleries. But the Lahaina print shop was a gem because they had they had print art from all different spectrums of of art. They had they literally had maps from Captain Cook's earliest journeys to the Hawaiian Islands, which, which incidentally, my dad has some of those too. So they're priceless. They're, they're, they're early reprints of Captain Cook's original journeys. They were in the Lahaina print shop gallery. When I was there, like I'm like looking through, and I'm like, and again, being an antique dealer, I'm like flabbergasted about some of the pieces that they have because they have, you know, Toulouse-Lautrec prints, like signed and numbered, uh, early early lithographs, like things that you can't find in Paris, but you could find them on Lahaina of all places. I don't know why this, why the owner was so gracious to me because like I didn't spend any money in his shop because I don't have any money, but I asked him like, what's, what's your prize here? Like, what's your most famous piece here? Like, what do you have that is that you think is the most valuable in your entire shop? And then he pulls out an original Pablo Picasso. He pulls out the tattooed lady that you only that you that it, it like it literally should be in museums but it wasn't in a museum it was in this little tourist uh print shop in Lahaina and that that whole thing burned to the ground i mean i'm like throwing up because i scratched my i put a tear in my painting that probably no one will like or no one will ever buy even though i spent 500 bucks on it this whole town 
including a gallery that had museum quality pieces in it, like literally burned to the ground. Like some 53 people lost their lives in this fire this in the past couple of days. And a historic city that had missionary housing. I think my dad said that some of the missionary housing was 175 years old. So, so like he said even maybe 200 years old. So some of the housing in Lahaina is older than the United States of America and it just was burned to the ground. And so uh, there's works of art, but then there's historical houses, historical landmarks that are now gone. That sucks. Like, it sucks when I lose a piece of painting. It sucks when my dog eats something that's valuable. It's the, like, it sucks when we lose something that we can't replace. And so... What is the art of destruction? Some things are lost forever, and I and then, and that's the unfortunate truth. Some things we we lose, and we're like, like, why did ISIS have to destroy that? Uh, why did this fire have to burn this down? Uh, why did my irresponsible actions lead to the destruction of something beautiful? And unfortunately, there is no right answer to those types of questions. But what it can give us is a little bit of perspective in that we can say, okay, um, we, have, we have placed all our value in material things. We've placed all our value in things that are beautiful. But what really is important, what really is important is the beauty that God creates with our lives. And so I think that the silver lining and the destruction of Lahaina and these terrible fires in Maui, that these terrible fires in the midst of like literally um, the Garden of Eden, like this is paradise that we're talking about. Like the fires are burning down paradise. Um, what, so what can we learn? I believe that that God always has a plan to restore beauty, to restore paradise. And so I I wanna I'll get preachy on you for a second, but I want you to consider and think about what beautiful thing that God has created in your life that maybe you have lost or maybe even what beautiful thing that you've created or what beautiful thing that you've inherited, what creative thing that is now yours that, you know, that that you have lost. I think it's, it's, it's completely appropriate to be nauseous to the loss of something beautiful, right? Like you need to be able to grieve properly and grieve. Well, you need to go out in the alley and throw up for a little bit. Um, but then you need to come back, you know, into your office and into your life and say like, yeah, this horrible thing happened and how can we make the best of it? And how can we make, how can we make something beautiful out of, out of a broken situation? The scriptures say in Isaiah, how do we exchange ashes for beauty? So in the midst of ashes, how can we find something, something beautiful? And um, 
And so my dad, he's still on, on a plane back. Like as we speak, he, maybe he's in the air right now. I'm supposed to pick him up tonight at LAX at 11. So hopefully he'll be there when I get there. Um, he had an, an incident or an opportunity. He sat by two people on a plane. So he had to get a pole jumper from Maui to Honolulu. And so he, um, his, his, his first person that he was sitting next to was a tourist that happened to be on an excursion and then came back from, from, you know, I don't kayaking or surfing or something like that, came back to his hotel and his hotel is completely burned to the ground. Everything he has was gone. Like ID, you know, luggage It's all, it's like, this is all gone. So that was, and he's like, you know, this guy's trying to put his head around, like what just happened? Like I'm on vacation, you know, I come home, I come back to my hotel. My hotel is like literally burned to the ground. So that was one conversation my dad had. The other conversation, which was interesting, is he had he just happened to be sitting next to another guy on a again, he's been on a couple of plane flights just to get out of Maui alone. Um, he sits next to another guy who um shorts, t shirt, baseball cap, uh looks like a bro, like looks like a party boy, right? And so he didn't really consider much just upon his appearance. But my dad being his dad, my dad, he just strikes up a conversation with anyone. And then he learns that this guy is actually responsible for the rebuilding of Lahaina and of the economic uh, reconstruction of the community. And so a little bit of a prophetic word. He just says, yeah, we're going to rebuild the beaches. And he's like, yeah, this is really bad. It's going to take us a while to recover financially. But, but we're going to rebuild it. And yeah, like, like the historical buildings, like they're going to be gone forever, but we're going to rebuild something that will be in like to what was there. It's not going to be the actual historical thing, but it's going to be like the historical thing. It's going to be an expression of the past and that we're actually going to rebuild the beaches to be better than they were before. So sometimes when we lose something beautiful in our lives, it, let me just, let me rephrase that. Not sometimes. When we allow it, when we allow God to take control and have plans, he can take the worst destruction in our lives, the worst robbery and the worst vandalism that the enemy can do on our souls, that can do on our, the beautiful things in our lives, the worst vandalism that, that the devil can do with the sledgehammers. That, that in the midst of that, God can make even something more beautiful and something more valuable. And so, you know, my dad was a little bummed because, like, they're going to take a, a financial hit because the tourists don't want to go to Maui right now because there's nothing there but ashes and sorrow. Uh, but what this planner says, with probably within five years, like, there's going to be beauty instead of ashes. It's actually going to be better than it was when it was historical. So, 
like if you're sifting through the ashes of destruction, if if there has been something in your life that has hurt so bad, if that has made you so nauseous, um, I want to just encourage you. Like, there's hope. There's hope for that. Like, there can be there can be beauty in the midst of ashes. And so, I know that seems cliche, but you have a you have a city planner, you have a master planner, and and his name is Jesus. His name is God. Uh, his name is the Holy Spirit, and he is, he's got plans to restore what was broken. He's got plans to uh, restore what was once beautiful and to make it beautiful again and actually to make it even better than it was in the past. And so that is, in short, the, the art of destruction. So sometimes things need to burn. Something, sometimes things need to die. Uh, sometimes things need to transition out so that God can trans- transition something beautiful in. And so today, that is the art of faith. That is the art of destruction. So if something is destructed in your life, allow God to rebuild it and make it something beautiful. Thanks for listening or watching the Art of Faith podcast. Uh, follow us again. Like, subscribe on YouTube and, and such. Uh, one more plug for you've got to see this movie, which is our parent show, which Granite Creek produ- uh, Studios is producing. Like and subscribe to that. They need your help. And uh, I'll see you Sunday, if not sooner. God bless. Peace.